0: Good morning, my renegades. Welcome back to Rogue Radio. My name is Sarah Jane, and I know it's been a while. (laughs) Here in Ohio, where I live in my city, November is up in the air when it comes to weather. So, it can be 71 one day, and then it'll be 21 the next day. (laughs) And my body just could not keep up, so I am a little sick, but the only thing I know how to do when I'm sick is push through, so I'm just going to push through and bring you some persecution press, because um, I have to. (laughs) It's been too long, so let's just get into it. So yes, it's been a long time between the, the last uh, persecution press and this one, so there's a huge gap. I only know that there's a huge gap because there's like five issues of Voice of the Martyrs in front of me. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, feel free to contact me in the links down in the description below. Thank you very much. So I do not take any offense. If I sound really gross to you and I'm grossing you out, go ahead and turn off the podcast. I, um, to be honest, I understand, (laughs) but I am just, I can't do anything, um, at the moment except for work on something because I don't know. It's just me. I have to work on something while I'm sick. It's just me, I guess. I'm not used to being idle. I don't know how to rest. Which is probably one of the main reasons why I got sick. So, (laughs) yeah. But I'm looking for a story, so let's, uh, let's do this real quick. So this issue is mainly focused on Uzbekistan. If I mispronounced your country, I'm very sorry. But the first one is called Sixth Grade Evangelist, and it says during the ten years of intense government persecution, Atamurat Zamira and other church members cautioned their children to keep quiet about their faith. But Atamurat Zamira, um, his older, or not his older, yeah, his oldest son um, Samuel, could not help himself. I just wanted to have Christian friends, he said. One day, the sixth grader told his parents that he had led a classmate to Christ, and in the next two months, uh, seven more students had placed their faith in him. Uh, although some of the children's parents complained, the teachers protected Samuel, um, because he was the top student in the school. After Samuel shared the gospel with new students, um, However, he began to face harassment from police. Okay. So police periodically pulled Samuel out of class, questioning it's an intimidating and fearful time in the young Christian's life. Atomarat, uh spent hours praying for his son, and one morning he asked the Lord, what should I tell my son? The answer Proceed was tell him I am training him. When Adamarat picked Samuel up from school that day, Samuel told the police and interrogated him again. I told him that the police. Okay. Uh, he asked his dad why God was allowing this to happen, and Adamarat then told Samuel about his prayers and that God was preparing him. Samuel was reassured and emboldened by his dad's hopeful message now at university Samuel uh, continues to share his faith with his friends and he said he finds more he finds it more challenging though partly because his friends are older but are also it's also because people are not as open to the gospel as they once were yep I don't I don't know much about Uzbekistan, but I do remember watching a documentary on it and I did say that Uzbekistan is a lot more secular than it is compared to the rest of the Middle East, but that probably could have changed from the years um, since I've watched that. Now this one I'm excited to read just because it kind of reminds me of me. Um, I love makeup. I do makeup all the time. But Samira's sister sent a gift that provided an unexpected spark of hope during a difficult time. Her sister sent a makeup set, which Samira cal- uh, realized she could um, both or use both to encourage other women to continue sharing the gospel. She opened a makeup studio in her home, so when neighbors complained about the number of visitors uh, she receives Amira can explain that they are clients coming um, for her makeup services. As she brushes color onto each woman's face, Amira gets to know them uh, and is able to gently share her faith. Okay, I am going to interrupt. So, um... I used to go to cosmetology school and the first thing that uh, you realize once you're on the floor and you're working with a client is that you are once you're like doing their hair or doing their nails or doing their makeup that sort of touch is a is a type of like loving touch that people only get at salons because of course usually familiar or loving touches come from your family members or people that you love but the thing is is that the reason why um so many people open up to cosmetologists is because they don't know them personally and they can tell them their deepest darkest secrets and everything like that and they know that they can't tell anybody because of course hey we don't know each other personally so (laughs) I could just tell you everything and that's loving touch, that touch where you're grooming someone or um, cutting their hair, doing a makeup, touching their face, touching their hands, those are all points of access of um, familiarity. Um, so if someone's touching your head, how many times have you had your mother or father touch your head or like stroke your hair? Cosmetologists do that, but in a professional way. How many times have you had Like, your mother or father, like, tickle your cheeks or like, you know, just stroke your cheek or something like that. Same thing. How many times have you had someone, you know, rub their thumb across the back of your hand? Same thing. It's a loving touch that is professionally received. So the reason why clients open up so much is because it's a familiar type of touch. And um, I have had many clients that have told me, oh, I've beat cancer twice and I'm just like, yo, I love that, you're a badass, I can't believe that. Yeah, I had one um, very just wonderful client that would just tell me everything about her life and she would always ask for me, always ask for me. I felt so frickin' special, I love her so much. Um, But she's like, oh, Yeah, I've I've beaten cancer twice, and I'm just like, oh my god, I would have never noticed looking at you, you know, like, your hair is beautiful. She would always come in for, um, a hydratriplex, triplex, which is to put moisture back in her hair, a keratriplex, which would, uh, give her some protein for her hair to grow, and then I would give her highlights, and... (laughs) And I loved her, I loved her so much, but even that, you know it, it it's so important um, in in the cosmetology world to have that careful and tender like touch in order for people to open up to you because to be honest, we're therapists that make you look good <laughs> It's true it's very true, but hang on. <laughs> After one woman signed up for sessions, but suddenly stopped returning, Zamira realized that the woman had probably seen her youngest son's Bible, which it, which uh, he had left in the studio. They still think of Christians as uh secretarians of some sort or evil people. Adamirat said uh, but most of the women Zamira interacts with is uh, are appreciative of her work, and some are even open to hearing about Christ. Um, She delights in highlighting each woman's outer beauty while affirming the inner beauty given uh, them by the living creator whom most of them don't know yet. I'm better now! I'm so happy! Damn right. Okay. Um... So, let's continue this episode! Yeah! Okay, so this story is from Turkey, so let me just pull that up real quick. So, it says this was uh, the 16th of Oh, that's today. All right. From International Christian Concern, Layla is a loving mother and wife um, in her 40s who grew up in a family that is still that still practices radical Islam. After getting married, her husband became a catalyst for the acceptance of Christ and became a believer. Uh, Christ is a part of her life, but initially she needed help. ...or needed to keep this hidden from her family. Um, They eventually found out, which was the beginning of some tough times in her life. Layla's father learned about her husband's faith during a visit from her out of the city and confronted his daughter. Without giving her a choice, he took her back home with him and told her she was allowed to see her husband... ...or she was not allowed to see her husband, excuse me... Um. and would divorce him. She compares this to being a hostage with her children. I was so scared that I couldn't say anything. I was just praying to the Lord to help us overcome these problems. I spent three weeks uh, like a nightmare at my father's house. Layla's husband, Murat, uh, had to stay away from his wife and children during this time. Layla and her husband have a loving family, but while separated, they felt their souls were wounded, living with the fear, pressure, and uncertainty of the situation. Murat made it the decision to speak to his father-in-law, but this frightened Layla because of the radical Islamic beliefs that she knew um, could drive her father to harm or even kill her husband. Uh, this is all because he chose to leave their religion and become a Christian. Uh, which means that he lost the right to be her husband and father, uh, to her children. In the eyes of her family, he was, uh, contaminated. Despite all these risks, um, he went home where no one spoke to him or ate at the same table with him, um, as it was Haram, according to Islam. Mirat uh, wanted his wife and children home and was able to meet with his father-in-law and tell him how he came to know Christ and how his life was changed. He declared he would not give up on Christ, but he would also not give up on his family. Layla expresses um, what happened between her father and her husband as follows. Thank God the Lord... Heard my pleas, my father agreed to this on one condition. My husband would never take my children and me to church. (laughs) Okay, agreed. (laughs) I mean I love that. I'm sorry. I know I'm not done finishing like what she said, but um y'all don't need to go to a church to find God. I mean I'm sure they know that, but my father told my husband that if he heard such a thing, he would sacrifice him with one bullet. Even that was a great miracle for us because I knew my father very well. I knew I would never come home again. My husband also accepted my father's request, seeing how strict my family was and realizing they would no longer give us peace in his country. My husband's aim was primarily to take me to, or take my children uh, with him me and my children with them, um, because if we s- had stayed with my family, we would never have been able to get together, uh, my children would never see their father again, and they would brand, um, my children as children of the infidel. If I had stayed with my family, they would have married me to someone else after I divorced my husband, so unfortunately, a common occurrence, uh, in our culture, Um, this was to be very difficult and heavy, uh, situation for me. Uh, when they were preparing to return home, Leila's father told his grandchildren, For this man, who will be your father, takes you to church. Or if this man takes you to church among the infidels again, you will inform me immediately. I'll come and get you, and you'll never see your father again, he instructed and warned the children. Um, one of their children, afraid of what their grandfather said, cried along the way. Please, let's go to- let's not go to church, Mom. Uh, she begs her mother. Layla had returned to her home, but now that the family had learned about the situation, the pressure to stay in the Islamic faith began to increase, Layla said. My family is constantly video calling me to check where I am, and, uh... When they don't call, my sister sends my nephews to our house. God. Um, Since we cannot go to church on Sunday, we want to attend our meeting online. But we cannot do that because my family is constantly following us. That's creepy. I'm sorry. I know that like, with the radical Islamic... I don't even want to say it a culture, but that that's what they do. But that's creepy. I mean, they are independent from their family. They should not be extensions of their families. But apparently that's what they see in that culture. That um, whatever you do or say is an extension of us. Therefore, whatever you do or say comes back on us and that gives us dishonor and all that stuff. I understand that. But let them live their lives. They're, they've made their own family. <sighs> Other family members who learn about the situation continue to pressure this family differently. Or, yeah, okay. Layla's aunt tells her, you will send your children to Quran courses. You will teach them uh, to read the Quran and pray until the semester break. Her aunt uh, Still gets angry with her, and many threats were spoken to them. Um, her family is under control. Alright. Um, Layla and Marat um, considered moving to another city uh, to be safe, but moving would not protect them from the danger they would face. This is because whatever they- or wherever they go, Layla's family it has enough leverage to find them. Mm-hmm. I would- see, to me, I know I'm not in that culture, and I definitely don't know the gravity of what they're going through. So, to me, it's like, oh, it's a simple solution, just move to America. <laughs> that's not- that's not a good that's not that's not good advice. I mean it could be but then again, I don't know if they're able to afford American citizenship. So I can't just be naive and say, "Oh, just move to America, you'll be free there." I, uh Sarah. <laughs> anyway, Layla believes it is too risky for them to live in Turkey now because of their family's extreme Islamic beliefs. Layla says, my family has a point of view that sees everyone who doesn't think like them as infidels. Um, if it is learned by our big family that we are Christian, they can easily reach us even if we change uh, the city we live in. And in such a case, our safety is in serious danger. Layla does not want our children to grow up without a father, but their life continues like this, Um, the whole family will learn that they are Christians in time. For this reason, Layla and her husband decided they would uh, move out of the country. Okay, so they did do that. Um, Even though this would be very difficult, they will move to a place where the language and culture are different. And her husband will quit his job and rest their family so that they can uh, have the right to raise their children in a healthy way with the love of Christ. This move will be painful and disrupt their way of life, but it will be worth it, according to Layla. Layla's father threatens to kill his son-in-law without caring about his daughter's future or feelings. Um, he believes he is justified simply because his faith allows him to do so because of, Christ- because of his Christianity. Um, he has the will, power, and motive to do so, and until they leave, they will not be safe. That's crazy. Okay, this one comes from Nigeria, and this one is <clears throat> very sad. Fulani terrorists slaughter seventy Christians in central Nigeria. So, oh, this was last month, twenty-sixth of October, but still, I haven't done this in so long that it's 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 new. It's news, so. According to media outlet Morningstar News, Fulani militants killed more than 70 Christians last week in a village in uh, central Nigeria. The slaughter prompted state officials to acknowledge uh, that the lack of government protection means citizens must defend themselves. According to um, Turimber um the chairman of the Ukum Local Government Council in Benui State, been you, I don't know. Uh, in just two days, over seventy Christians were killed by Fulani militant or militiamen in uh, Gjebi. Oh God, I can't, I can't pronounce these. I'm so sorry. In Bij community, um, in our local government area, Kartio. Uh, continued sharing that the Falani militants shot and injured more than 100 Christians in Uday and Yalaweta villages, uh, displacing thousands more who fled uh, for their lives. According to um, an area resident, about 36 corpses of some of the victims have so far been recovered and taken to the mortuary. Yu state government officials visited the area after the attacks. They stated that since the federal government is unable to stop the violence, uh, it ought to provide high-powered arms to citizens. Um, We are standing on our request for the federal government to give us a license for the volunteer guards to bear AK-47s and other sophisticated weapons, um, said Secretary of State, um, Government Anthony Ijohar, uh, Representative of Ben U Government, Samuel Otorum, says um, <laughs> the security agencies have been overstretched that being the case, uh, our people have to defend themselves. Radicalized Fulani militants who belong to the largely nomadic Fulani uh, Herding communities found mostly in northern Nigeria pose the threats um, to Christians farming and villages um, Owned by Christians so uh, Militants often attack Christians and burn their farms, especially in more rural communities and um I know a lot of people may realize that or may not realize it, that when someone burns down their crops, their farms, their homes, their life is shattered. They have to start from the ground up. And um, it sucks because a lot of these people who own their own farms and their own crops They're able to, you know, like, sell what they don't need in order to have their own little business in, you know, in order to make a living. And basically, their way of life is burnt to the ground. And it's not okay. That's not okay. It's awful. So their way of life has to start over and over and over again because radical Muslims or Fulani militants have to feel like they have to you know, kill so many Christians and, you know, kill their way of life. And that's not something that should be happening. But... one is from algeria and algeria i know um listens so laws in algeria oh wow, wow okay excuse me laws in, i what in the world is wrong with me am i okay <laughs> laws in algeria restrict mission work there we go um this was the 12th of november from international christian concern so officials in i in I, I want to say Nigeria and Algeria at the same time for some reason. Officials in Algeria have made it increasingly difficult for missionaries to evangelize or challenge the Islamic faith in, a, in any capacity. In Algeria's government issued um, ordinances and restrictions on non-Muslim religious organizations um, any attempt to attract more MBBs is met with Animosity and they, or and the very real possibility of jail time and hefty fines. Today, Algeria is estimated to be about 99% Sunni Muslim, and has blasphemy anti-pro. I know this word, anti-pro-proselytization, proselytization, proselytization, um, and laws governing worship. Uh, that are main components in making mission work uh, here near impossible. The blasphemy laws, according to the United States Commission on International uh, Freedom, the USCRI, what? The USCIRF. Wow. Uh, criminalizes blasphemy any individual who offends the prophet and the messages of God or um, disparages the dogma, uh, or precepts of Islam, whether, uh, be through writing, artwork, speaking, or any other medium may be subject to three to five years in prison and or a fine between 50,000 or 100,000 Algerian dinars, roughly 350 to 710 U.S. dollars. Uh, what this means is that anything that could be said or seen as uh, going against the Muslim beliefs is criminalized. The anti-prolization, pro um laws continue. Uh, I'm sorry. Anti-prolization laws include any act that entices a Muslim to convert. Uh, to another uh, religion I'm sorry so they can't think for themselves they can't choose for themselves they have to stay a Muslim till death okay uh, lastly the laws governing worship keep Christians confined to approve worship spaces while also purposefully dis- di- discriminating against uh, religious minorities uh, to make these places of worship difficult to attend and enjoy regularly uh, you can find similar stories of how these laws have persecuted Christians here okay Wow my prayers are with you Algeria I know you guys listen and uh, I will not stop talking about you people need to know I think it's time to take a break, because I need a break. Uh, I'm lightheaded from you know, reading so much and venting so much, so listen, uh, take a break, get a drink of water, get some chips or something, eat something, okay? I'm about to do that, so yeah, take a break with me. <laughs> So we rarely get anything involving the U.S. in here, so I found one, and it says, U.S. joins countries in speaking against blasphemy laws. So they joined 15 countries. This was the 8th of November, Um, the International Religious Freedom or Belief Alliance, IRFBA released a statement yesterday expressing um, its continued concern over international blasphemy laws. In a recent study, publishing um, or published by uh, Monash University in Melbourne, researchers found that um, at least 12 countries retained the death penalty as criminal punishment for blasphemy. Or related offenses blasphemy laws which are strategically used to prevent the speech of religious minorities are found um, in more than 80 countries yet uh, the following uh, nations assign capital punishment to these offenses namely Afghanistan Brunei Iran Maldives um, Maurit. Mauritania, Nigeria, Pakistan, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Somalia, United Arab Emirates, and Yemen. The International Religious Freedom or Belief Alliance um, is a multinational alliance of countries committed to protecting religious freedom around the world. Okay. Uh, The United States joined in solidarity with the most recent statements along with uh, 15 other IRFBA countries, including Australia, Costa Rica, Croatia, um, Cyprus, Estonia, Greece, Israel, Israel, I'm so happy, Latvia, uh, Lithuania, Malta, Norway, Poland, uh, Romania, Slovakia, and the United Kingdom. Uh, with the release of its statement, uh, members of the IRFBA uh, called for several actions, including the global repeal or reform of blasphemy laws and the release of individuals in prison based on their views on matters of um, religion or belief that may differ from uh, official narratives for the views of majority populations. Furthermore, member... Um, countries uh, reiterated their commitment to the In- the Istanbul process as a process for monitoring and driving the implementation of the UN Rights Council resolution 1618 action excuse me uh, to plan <laughs> plan to prevent and uh, respond manifestations of intolerance. Discrimination, hatred, and violence based on religion or belief. While some countries, uh, such as Pakistan, have never enforced the death penalty as a punishment for blasphemy, it is critical to note that statutes very, or that the statutes' very existence has um, impaired mob vigilantes to carry out. Uh, justice on their own accord. In fact, one report estimates, um, that violent mobs have killed at least, uh, 89 individuals over blasphemy allegations in in Pakistan. Um, and these accusations are rising exponentially, uh, with 1300% increase involved in the 30, in the past 30 years. Um, As the situation for victims um, accused of blasphemy deteriorates globally, um, it is essential for foreign governments like the United States to continue vocal or being vocal advocates against these laws. I agree. So this is from China, I believe, 90 year old Hong Kong Cardinal arrested for running pro-democracy fund. So this was the 3rd of October from Hong Kong. Cardinal Joseph Zen, um, one of the highest rankings in Asia, stood trial on Monday, September 26 for for his role in running a fund to help uh, defend people arrested in anti-government protests. During the trial, Hong Kong police testified against Cardinal Zen and the judge ruled that this case uh, could move forward. Um, His next court appearance is October 26th, which has already passed. Um, If convicted, he faces a fine, however, Cardinal Zen is also under investigation for colluding with foreign forces. Um, If he is charged with this crime, he could face a life sentence. The Cardinal uh, was originally detained in May for, or of this year, following the imposition of a draconian national security law um, in Hong Kong. ICC reported on his arrest earlier this year. The Vatican was, or has remained, um, reticent to comment as the story has unfolded. I don't believe that the Vatican is ever going to reply or is ever going to um, you know put their attention on this man because the Vatican is freaking evil, okay I'm doing my best not to cuss, but they are evil okay I, I want that church. I want the Vatican to burn down. I want that I want it to burn to the ground. Burn to the ground. Good God, please. I mean, that day that I reported that someone said that the Vatican was on fire, I really want it to happen. I really want it to happen. I I don't care if I'm offending any Catholics. Listen, if you follow the Pope, there's something wrong with you. He's a pedophile, and he hates Israel, he hates Judaism, and therefore, I am not at all happy. I'm not happy with the Vatican. They do not care. Um, they think that they are gods themselves. They believe that, that you need to be, um, you need to go to a priest in order to be forgiven because that's the authority that God gave them. I don't need a priest to be forgiven for my sins. So therefore screw you vatican screw the vatican it needs to burn it does it needs to burn i hate the vatican do i hate catholics no as long as you're not touching altar boys or touching little boys or girls i'm fine with you you can be a catholic for for all i care i do not care but when it comes to the vatican fuck you fuck the vatican it needs to burn a christian cleric from hong kong Um, Who asked to remain anonymous told ICC Cardinal Zen is the first Catholic cardinal arrested on the on Chinese soil um, In the last few decades Uh, He reminds us of the heroic Shanghai Cardinal Kung who was arrested in 1955 We are very sorry that his um, or that this happened And we pray that God will give him grace and strength to continue his battle for religious freedom and democracy. Okay. Cardinal Zen is known for being a staunch advocate for religious freedom and democracy. A native of Shanghai, uh, he often calls for democracy and citizens of China for its oppression of Chinese people. We've already talked about how the Chinese government, or the dictatorship I should say, because that man is a dictator, has oppressed its own people. Um, Everywhere they go, they are always watched. There are security cameras on every corner, um, and sometimes even in their homes. Um, They are constantly watched. They have rewritten the Bible into a socialist version of the Bible. They have saran-wrapped houses so that they can't leave. They're still in quarantine, at least one side of China is still quarantined. No one can get to their jobs. No one can make money. No one can... um, Go to work or school because of COVID uh, restrictions. Therefore, they don't have any means of making money to buy food and survive, pay rent, which means during this time they get evicted from their homes because the COVID restrictions don't allow them to go to work and make money in order to pay rent. So, therefore, they are put in either relocation centers or they are put out on the street. There have been Chinese people, Chinese neighborhoods screaming on the other side to the other side of the river in unison, just crying out for help. That there is something wrong with that government. There's a lot wrong with that government that you want to kill your own people. You have mass executions in the capital of China. You behead people. You have daily beheadings. You kill your own people. And I know China's listening. Hi! Even people that choose to live in Canada or the United States, you have government officials go ahead and follow them, which means you have a territory in Canada and America. You have territory that owns, that you own in order for you to do that. Did Joe Biden give that to you? Because you're about to lose it. Okay. Um, It's oppression of the Chinese people, especially those from the underground Catholic community. Alright. He criticized the 2018 Sino-Vatican agreement that gave Chinese authorities greater influence on bishop appointments um, and his stance against the Chinese Communist Party and support for um, pro-democracy activists. Have, be- ...have made an easy target. Okay, made him an easy target. I'm so flustered right now from what I said. <clears throat> he was called a false prophet... ...and received threats uh, last June as he prepared to hold mass... ...in remembrance of the victims of the Ty- Tiananmen Massacre. Okay. The one thing I find funny... And I don't want to rant again, because I'm literally lightheaded from <laughs> ranting, but <clears throat> when you call somebody a false prophet, do you really know what you're talking about? Because if you're called to be a prophet, then hey, that's fine. You you, go, you get called to be a prophet, just don't call yourself a prophet, because if you call yourself a prophet, then therefore you have a freaking ego, and no one's going to really believe you or take you seriously. So, anybody who calls another person a prophet is fine. It's fine if you want to call you... It's fine if people want to call you a prophet. I don't know whether they called Cardinals and a prophet, but the the term is loosely used. You have to be called to be a prophet. Just because the man is a religious man doesn't make him a prophet. It just makes him a man who is religious, who has faith. Yes, he's Catholic. There are good Catholic men and women out there, like I said. But don't call him a false prophet if that's not what the people are calling him. But anyway, the erosion of freedom in all aspects in Hong Kong is uh, very concerning and increasing numbers of freedom fighters are arrested and incarcerated for fabricated charges. Said Gina Goh, Um, ICC regional manager for Southeast Asia. Um, If a 90-year-old revered... A revered... If a 90-year-old revered cardinal could not even spread... I'm sorry, what the hell? Apparently I can't read anymore. If a 90-year-old revered cardinal could not even be spared, it indicates the legal system will continue to be abused by the H... KSAR government um, to nab anyone in Hong Kong they find to be a threat to the city the Vatican and the world need to speak up and stand with Cardinal Zen I do bro it takes a lot it takes a lot to stand up to your own government and say you're doing something wrong so with that Cardinal Zen you are renegade And Rogue Radio loves you. And we recognize you and we see you. Okay, so this one comes from Yemen. And it says, Yemen at war, Christians in peril. So, while the world is focused on the Russian incursion into Ukraine, um, just just to let you know, Trump um, said that Russia, I think, decided to put a missile, hide a missile in Poland, like a nuclear one, just to let you guys know, so if you have friends or family that are in Poland, please warn them to leave, because we don't know what the heck's gonna happen after that, that's kinda scary, um, and I know Poland listens, so therefore, hey, listen, be careful, Please, please be careful. Please be careful. Um, Rogue Radio loves you. We just want you safe. Um, I know Russia, and I think Ukraine also... I, I don't think Ukraine listens, never mind. But I do know Russia listens as well. I, I really don't know what to say to Russia, except for, you know, I love you. I know it's not your fault that this is happening. You know, I just pray that you guys stay safe as well, but um, little attention has been given to the intensifying war in the Middle East. See, that's another thing, like, they'll distract us with rumors of wars or wars and they won't actually help us focus on other things that's going on in the world. That's what the media does, so... Everybody's talking about Ukraine and Russia going to war and all this other stuff, but now we have Yemen at war. No one's talking about that. Where Yemen has been embroiled in a lengthy, ongoing civil war since 2014. Holy moly. Um, Initially, fighting began between the Houthis, the Houthis, we're going to say that. An armed rebel movement um, and Al- Al-Isla, um, Yemen's main uh, Sunni radical Islamic um, party. In 2015, the conflict expanded as Yemen became the center stage for regional military engagement for Saudi Arabia or of Saudi Arabia, the UAE. Um, and other allies in support of the Sunni-led government of um, President Rabu Mansour Hadi um, against the Shiite Houtis. I'm pretty sure I'm saying the last word wrong. But uh, whom they view as Iran's proxy. The Houtis, also called um, Ansar Allah, supporters of God, um, and the large Zaydi Shiite uh, minority, who adhere to strict Sharia law, and control most uh, northwestern Yemen, and uh, with alliances of various clans and tribes, Iran has been accused of supplying weapons to Asnar or Ans- Ansar Ansar Allah forces um, in violation to the UN arms um, embargo. 2022 has been a dramatic escalation um, in military operations in Yemen and the surrounding uh, region. A Saudi-led coalition has continued uh, to pound uh, regions of Yemen with multiple airstrikes and retaliation to missile and drone attacks on UAE and Saudi territory from Houthi forces. According to a UN Human Rights Council report earlier this year, the rate of airstrikes had doubled over to roughly 600 strikes per month in 2021. Howdy attacks um, and Saudi and UAE territories, um, on those territories, have increased uh, proportionately with ballistic missiles and drones. Um, hitting key targets, including energy and oil refineries, needed infrastructure such as water um, desalination plants, and also, or have also been targets. Uh, both sides are accused by the UN of committing international war crimes, as articulated in a report from the International Crisis Group. Yemen's war interacts with the fuel's regional tensions, uh, it is also becoming more internally complex and harder to resolve. A following diagram... okay, it talks... They have a diagram, okay. I can't show you that. It's audio. Uh, Yemen's fragmented government. According to the Freedom House 2022 report, Yemen has no functioning central government. That, that's not new. That's not news. A lot of countries don't have a government anymore. Um, Yemen has no functioning central government with full control over its territory, and any state institutions that continue to operate are controlled by unelected officials and armed groups. Um, The Hadi government is largely... Uh, dependent on its foreign patrons, particularly Saudi Arabia and the UAE, which also have parallel relationships with other um, Houthi uh, groups. The Houthis uh, receive at least some support from Iran. Um, The existing fragile power-sharing government was formed in December 2020 by anti-Houthi factions. Including Hadi's government, um, a general uh, People's Congress, the Southern Transitional Council, the Islamist Party, um, Al Islah, and various other parties supported by the Saudis UAE. Okay. <clears throat> Hadi. Uh, <laughs> this is such a long. It's long. I'm sorry. Hadi Loyalists, uh, retained control of most, uh, powerful ministries. Uh, although Hadi has been in ex- in exile, the Houthis, the Hadi and the Houthis, okay, the Houthis are <laughs> aligned clans continue, uh, to control the northwestern regions. I am getting exhausted by reading, I'm so sorry. Um, In a press release issued April 7th, uh, 2022, Exiled President Hadi um, announced uh, he was stepping down and transferring his powers to a seven-member presidential leadership council. A move enthusiastically supported by uh, both Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates This move came early in a UN negotiated two month case or ceasefire and aimed to unify anti Houthi factions. The international community then recognized the council as Yemen's official government, though the Houthis still control a large region of the country. On May 17th, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken met with Yemeni- They call them Yemeni people? Yemeni. That, that's new. Yemeni. I'm sorry, I just learned something new. Um, Foreign Minister Ahmed bin, uh, Mubarak- of the newly formed Presidential Leadership Council, Blinken, expressed the U.S. government to support ending the conflict and related humanitarian crisis. He acknowledged appreciation for the council's more um, inclusive representation and efforts to improve basic living conditions and economic stability for Yemenis. That's interesting. I wouldn't have used that term to describe people who live in Yemen, but that, that's interesting. Okay. Um, the human cost and humanitarian crisis, given the lack of functioning uh, government with no uh, stable civic infrastructure in place, human suffering from uh, violence has been compounded by lack of trade and aid and access to necessities such as food, water, health care, and energy. It is estimated that nearly 80% of the population Uh, More than 24 million people need uh, humanitarian assistance more than any other single country today. Uh, Contested areas such as the city of Tiaz, um, Yemen's third largest city, are bearing the brunt of the humanitarian hardship. Hundreds of thousands of people are cut off and suffering under the um, siege-like conditions. To help migrate or mitigate um, the crisis, the U.S. government provided more than six hundred and thirty million dollars in humanitarian assistance to Yemen in f- the fiscal year in twenty twenty. I think that's where a lot of the um, you know that big packet that Pelosi made in twenty twenty. I want to say it was twenty twenty one, and it passed. So never mind. I might I might be wrong, but I, I, a lot of the money. In, in one of those um, packets that was passed during COVID, put a, gave a lot of money to like Yemen and foreign countries instead of um, the U.S. But um, the UN High Commissioner uh, for Refugees, along with the International Organization of uh, Migration, issued a joint report stating that. The ongoing conflict in Yemen was displaced 3,154,572 people. Holy shit. I'm sorry. Um, Of which 2,205,102 remain uh, displaced internationally. And 949,470 have returned home. Numbers are the best estimates based on available data. Um, the cost of life, uh, has been high with estimated 377,000 people killed through direct and indirect causes and 150,000, including tens of thousands of civilians have been killed in fighting. Many others have died of hunger and disease and humanitarian crisis caused by the war. Um, according to the UN... Uh, since the war began seven years ago, <clears throat> more than ten thousand two hundred children have been killed or injured, although they speculate the actual number is much higher oh my God. Christians in increased danger, according to the United Nations data collaborated by the world the worldometer uh the current population of Yemen is thirty one million fifty six thousand two hundred and ten. As of May 2022, 99% of Yemenis are Muslim, and a third of whom are Shiite, with the remaining two-thirds identifying as Sunni. Less than 1% of the population are Christian, an estimated 40,000 along, or although it may be fewer, as uh, many have fled due to the violence. Most Yemeni Christians are Ethiopian, and Russian Orthodox and are or with the remainder um, terrifying, I'm sorry, identifying as Catholic or Protestant. Um, most Christians are converts from Islam and um, must practice their faith in secret. meeting in small groups in homes or outdoors, whereas Yemen in Islamic country, or is an Islamic country with apostasy and blasphemy laws in place, Christians are subject to wide range of persecution including exclusion of family and social life, loss of employment, physical and mental abuse, imprisonment, rape, forced marriages and death. The degree and source of persecution varies between regions, tribalism, is strong and even or an often most uh, severe persecution comes from one's tribe or clan. In the northwestern third, uh, where Shiite Haudis exert authority, Christians are at the greatest risk due to uh, strict adherence to Sharia law and heavy policing. In addition, those living in the south Uh, where there is a strong Al-Qaeda presence are at a high risk Uh, on the 2022 Open Doors World Watch list, Yemen rose from a ranking 7-5 to of the top 50 countries where persecution occurs they raised up two spots oh my god um This designation resulted from escalating violence over the past year compounded by the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Christians have been denied access to emergency humanitarian and medical aid, uh, which typically is distributed uh, by local and Muslim leaders and mosques. Uh, Without necessary goods and services, their circumstances are... Um, especially dire due to, to the warring factions, lawlessness, and government dysfunction. Dysfunction. Oops. Um, the one time, <laughs> I try not to cuss, there it is. Um, let's see, Christians and other minorities are increasingly uh, targeted with little hope of protection and justice. Despite extreme hardship, persecution and threat of death, um, there is some encouraging uh, news according to the advocacy organization, Voice of the Martyrs, a small and steadily growing number of new converts are um, coming to Christ. Whereas it is extremely dangerous to be identified as a Christian, access to the Bible and other uh, Christian resources Online and through Christian media have been key to spreading the gospel and discipleship. We pray for more Yemenis to hear the gospel and come to Christ. We also pray for the protection of the provision of all Christians in Yemen. May they know that um, they are not forgotten. And there's a disclaimer views and opinions expressed in this article are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the International Christian Concern (laughs) or any of its affiliates. Okay. Um, Dr. Burkle retired from the Salvation Army in early 2019, where she oversaw um, an array of social services in multi-state region, along with the State Attorney General Burkle, co-chaired the Nebraska Human Trafficking Task Force Um, Dr. Brickell holds a doctoral degree in international relations and has worked with persecuted peoples in a number of countries and her dissertation focused on religious persecution specifically regarding Iran, Sudan, China, and Burma, Myanmar. Um, And she resides in Omaha, Nebraska. She has three grown children. Why did you put that at the bottom of the article? Is this the person that did this? Did the article? Okay. She must be new. She must be a new hire. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the trenches next time.